Hi, this is Randy Bachman with another Vinyl Tapcast. Stories about some of the greatest rock and roll songs ever. Put on your seatbelts and get ready for a ride in the rock and roll time machine. And today we're going to celebrate music from yesterday and today, glued together with stories and memories and exploring the guitars of rock and roll. And the Fender Telecaster invented in 48, 49, 50 by Leo Fender. Now we're going to follow the progression of the Fender Telecaster and how they improved it. It is called the Fender Stratocaster, known around the world as the Strat. We're going to kick it off with the first time I saw a Fender Stratocaster was on Ed Sullivan's show. It was 1957, and it was Buddy Holly and the Crickets. You heard these on the records, but you didn't know what they looked like. So if it wasn't for American Bandstand, where you maybe saw the group there lip-syncing or live on Ed Sullivan, you never got to see the guitar. So you never could really sound like Buddy Holly or Elvis or whoever was you heard on the radio. When I saw Buddy Holly playing the Stratocaster, of course, I wanted one, so did everybody else. Also a power trio, Buddy Holly, stand-up bass, and a drummer. Here we go with a song written about his drummer's girlfriend. 1957. It's written about Peggy Sue Garon, and you can guess it's called Peggy Sue. If you knew Peggy Sue, then you know why I feel blue without Peggy. My Peggy Sue. Oh, well, I love you, Kelly. Buddy Holly with Peggy Sue. You notice the guitar solo in that is not a string solo. He just plays the chords, but he plays them with an incredible rhythmic style, and that influenced everybody's guitar playing to play better rhythm guitar that you could play rhythm lead guitar, which comes up much later in the show with guys like Stevie Ray Vaughan and uh, other guys who play what you call lead rhythm all at the same time. That guitar changed the world. It changed my life because I wanted one, of course. Just like seeing Dwayne Eddy play the Gretsch. In those days, there was no foot pedals. You had one amplifier if you were lucky. Basically, the whole band plugged into one amplifier. You didn't buy an amp with one input. You bought one with three or four. The whole band plugged into it because you had that and a drum set. The first dances I ever played in Winnipeg were all instrumentals. We had no mic to sing. You put the drums on the stage. You put up one amp, you plug in. I played all Dwayne Eddy, all Shadows, and all Ventures songs for three hours, and the kids danced. They loved it. In the late 50s, there was an Elvis kind of clone, because there was a lot of Elvis clones. Elvis was the first. The clones were, you know, Eddie Cochran, Gene Vincent, Buddy Holly. There was such a market there for a front man who was good with Elvis kind of hair and a band backing him up. But all of those bands had incredible guitar players and that's what influenced me as the James Burden backing Rick Nelson, Scotty Moore backing Elvis. Everybody had a really great guitar player. When I heard Vincent Eugene Craddock was coming to Winnipeg, whose name was Gene Vincent, and he had four songs in the top 10 on Winnipeg, because when a band was coming into Winnipeg, all the radio stations just played all their singles. I heard Gene Vincent was coming. He was coming to the Dominion Theater in Winnipeg. It was a Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday show, three shows. So I went to the Friday show. There's no security there, it's just a movie theater. Went to the Friday show, Gene Vincent came out and they had just been to, in California and they all had new Fender guitars. 
So I saw these beautiful Fender guitars. Gene Vincent had four songs in the top 10, Bebop, Alula, Dance of the Bop, and this one called Whole Lot of Lovin'. All played on the Fender guitars. At the Friday show, it was an afternoon show, about two in the afternoon. They had scheduled a show in the afternoon and evening because they expected sellout after sellout after sellout. So after the two o'clock show, there's like 35 people in the audience. So I stand around later. I went there with my friend Victor Zahn, who rode a Harley Davidson motorcycle. And Gene Vincent had a, a brace on his leg, on his left leg, from his knee down to his ankle. He had broken his leg in three places on a motorcycle accident because he loved motorcycles. So I wait there and I get all their autographs. I got a blue cap because he would call Gene Vincent in a blue cap. They autographed the blue cap, which unfortunately faded because there was no Sharpies then. They wrote it with a ballpoint pen on the cap and that faded away. And he said, why isn't there anybody here? We've got all these songs in the top 10. They're all over the radio. And I said, it's not a good weekend. You're in Winnipeg. Today is Good Friday. The Catholics are in church. All the Jewish people are in the synagogues. Then is Sunday. Then is Passover. You're here on a bad weekend. So he called the promoter and said, what am I doing here? Nobody's going to come. The guy said, yeah, there's no tickets for Sunday show, which is like Easter Sunday. There's a few for Saturday. So let's cancel that show. Let's have a Saturday night show. So there's Gene Vincent in town with nothing to do. And I said, hey, my mother, I've got three brothers. And my mother always has people, would you want to come over to my house for Easter dinner? And he goes, wow. Because when you're on the road, you're eating in restaurants all the time. And it's, it was like Russian roulette. You went into a restaurant and you hoped the food was good and you didn't get food poisoning. So I made a deal that uh, Gene Vincent would come to my house for Sunday dinner. And uh, he said, I'll only come if your friend picks me up on his Harley and takes me there. And the band is saying, no, Gene, you can't get on another motorcycle. You broke your leg. And he said, I'm going. So Sunday afternoon, about four o'clock, he comes up on the motorcycle with my friend Victor. And he says, I just came to pay my respects to thank your mother, but I can't stay. We're all leaving because we're going to Minneapolis to do a gig tomorrow. The band wants to go. But at least I got to ride the Harley. He gave my mother a hug. Uh, he thanked me for the invite and not having the Easter dinner. But that was my experience with Gene Vincent, which was quite wonderful. I still have the blue cap with the faded signature. And here's Gene Vincent with Cliff Gallup, his guitar player, playing the great lead, 1957 hit, Whole Lot of Lovin'. So baby, can't you see that you were meant for me? I want your loving, yes, sirree. I bet I wanna wanna dot a lot of hugging. I bet I wanna wanna dot a lot of kissing. So baby, please proceed to give the love I need. That was Gene Vincent with Whole Lot of Lovin' playing their Fender Stratocasters right from the factory. You are tuned to the Rock and Roll Time Machine, and we're traveling back and forth, and we're exploring the Fender Stratocaster. We get to a song now that nobody knows who wrote it, so they had to trace back the first guy that ever played it or registered, and they found out his name was Billy Roberts. He was living in a trailer park, like as a homeless guy, and they, he got a lot of money. The song is called Hey Joe, and it was first put out by a band called The Leaves in the, I don't know, early 60s. They were like a California rock band who took this song. But it's based on a really neat thing. If you're in the key of E, it goes, Hey, Joe, where you going with that gun in your hand? 
And it just goes over and over and over. You're in the key of E. You go C, G, D, A, back to this. That's the first time I can remember ever hearing that progression. But since then, it got used a lot by Billy Joe Royal. With, down in the boondocks. Down in the boondocks. Da 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 da. Then it went na 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 na. Deep Purple used it in a song. Na 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 na. Beatles did it twice as long. Na 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 na. In a day in the life, the Beatles used it. So everybody has used that. But here's the first use of it. This is very cool because this is the master blaster of the Fender Stratocaster who took it where no one else ever took it. The guy is a real total Fender bender. Here's Jimi Hendrix, 1966. Hey, Joe. the man who tried to smash his guitar couldn't smash it it's a fender solid wood so he lit it on fire at Monterey that guitar has now been bought by Frank Zappa and it's owned by his son Dweezil Zappa and valued at many millions of dollars it's still burned but it's restored and playable and I've seen Dweezil playing it it's pretty amazing now in Canada we have our own Jimi Hendrix he's an amazing trio plays a strat lives in Montreal I love his real name Demetrios Bacolius, but he goes by the name Jimmy James, which is kind of like Hendrix's name before he became Jimi Hendrix. Here's Jimmy James, and if you have a chance in Montreal, go and see the Jimmy James trio. The guy is amazing. I was driving along on the highway in, in Vancouver one day, and on came this song. It captivated me. The Stratocaster tones and what he was playing was fantastic. And I had to go through that tunnel, you know, that long, long tunnel when you're going down the highway to go past the airport. And I thought, I'm never gonna know who this is. It, the tunnel is too long, like it was traffic. So I go into the tunnel and you hear nothing. And I'm going to, and as I come out the other side of the tunnel, the song ends and they don't back sell it. I don't know who it is. So I phoned the next day and said, who was that? And they said, oh, it's Jimmy James. So I tracked on Jimmy James. Uh, they sent me his album. The guy is fantastic. Here's Jimmy James from Montreal. Go and see him if you can. And a song that he wrote called Ride That Train and listen to his guitar playing and singing. It's amazing. James was ride that train. So you might be sitting at home and you might have a Fender Stratocaster. Any guitar you have, this is a song to learn forwards and backwards. This is like an old Chuck Berry song where he sang a line, like up in the morning out to school, da 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 da, and played guitar after every line. This is by Mark Knopfler. The band was called Dire Straits. 
when he went in to get his record deal, he said, what's the name of your band? He said, we don't have a name, but we're all in dire straits. And they go, there's your name. They were called Dire Straits. If you can learn this song, you have learned a lot of guitar licks. Sultans of Swing, this has every guitar lick in the world going. So once you learn this, then Google, go to YouTube, Dire Straits Live, because when Mark Knopfler does this live, it's the same song, but each little lick has a slight variation. So if you learn this song, as it is, note for note, go to him playing it live. Every time he plays it, there's slight little variations. This is the greatest guitar lesson you will ever have to play. This was the number one song around the world. This is the kind of song that DJs would put on and go and have lunch, because seven or eight minutes long. The previous one was Inagata da Vida, right? They knew they could go on a bathroom break or call their wife and say, what do you want me to bring home for dinner? Here is Dire Straits, Mark Knopfler, great, great song, Sultans of Swing, May 1978. Amazing guitar playing. I don't think I could still play that, but you don't want to play it exactly. You just play variations of it, right? You kind of you you pretend you're Mark Knopfler. Now I'm going to do a little bit about the history of the Stratocaster because it is the world's most famous guitar and most recognizable guitar, and there must be a hundred other copies of the shape of this guitar where people change it by one quarter of an inch or they change the headstock. But the Stratocaster and the Telecaster were very famous because they stayed in tune. So the reason is the string goes in the tailpiece, it goes over the bridge, down the neck, over a thing called a nut, which is another little bridge that has a groove in it that the string fits into. And the string goes straight to a tuning peg that you turn and the string winds up and tightens. And then your, that's your low E. Then your E, your next string, your A string, goes straight up to another peg. They, they all go straight up. On Gibson's and other guitars, the strings goes over the nut and then over to the side because they have three tuners on each side. And then your strings get pinched in there. If you use too thick of a string and it's a round one, it'll get pinched in whatever the bridge is. It might be plastic, it might be bone or metal. It gets pinched. And as you're playing, the pinch pops and suddenly your guitar's out of tune. So these fenders stayed in tune. Hank Marvin, the lead guitar player in the Shadows, said when he saw this guitar, it looked like it was from outer space. It was so futuristic. He'd never seen anything like it before. And the straight headstock with the strings going straight changed guitar playing forever. The first Telecaster made had one pickup. It was called an Esquire. They put another one on at the neck. It was called a Telecaster. That still wasn't enough. When they did the Strat, they decided to really go a little crazy. They put on three pickups, one at the bridge, one in between the bridge and the neck, and one at the neck. They each had a distinct tone because the closer you are to the bridge, the more twang you get out of the guitar. It had a three-way switch. Lead, first, second, and third pickup. Bridge, middle, and neck. If you were real careful, you could take your three-way switch and put it in between and get the bridge pickup and the middle pickup. And that's the sound Mark Knopfler had on Dire Straits. It's a different sound. It's kind of out of phase, but it's very cool. So I used to have a nail. Have you ever seen a shingle nail that's like a U? 
and you bash it and it doesn't have a head on it because the head will pull up, it's a little U. I had one of those on a piece of thread and when I had my Stratocaster, I'd put the switch in between and slide that little U nail over it so it wouldn't go either way and pop out in the middle of a song. So I would get that sound. That is pretty much a cool thing of the Fender Telecaster. We'll get into more changes later, but let's just get into the next song. This is me playing my 1968 Fender Stratocaster plugged directly into the board, which is bypassing an amplifier. You just plug in and it's with a Martin guitar. And I've also doubled this with, and I'm very proud of this, my 1954 white Stratocaster, which serial number is 0212. One of the first ones made it says 5455 because they made them over a period of years. And it's just a very rare guitar. So here's Let It Ride, BTO Backman Turn Override with two Stratocasters plugged into right on the board with a Martin guitar. And you'll, you'll hear my sound And this. is not quite Mark Knopfler, but I got my own sound. Let It Ride. BTO, let it ride with me playing two Stratocasters and that low note in the ending, that low solo, it's not the Stratocaster, it's my Les Paul uh, because in those days you had to have different guitars to get different guitar sounds. It wouldn't have sounded the same. It would have sounded like the same. I want it to sound different. Well, that was BTO, let it ride. We are rocking in the free world and celebrating the most famous guitar in the world to this day. Defender Stratocaster. Here's a band from New Jersey. They are called Bon Jovi. I was on tour with Burton Cummings about 15 years ago as Backman Cummings, and we got a call to go and play on the edge of Canada, which is the East Coast, a great big outdoor pop festival with 30 or 40,000 people, headlined by Bon Jovi. And Burton and I would fly in with our band and play the show. So casually, I say on the phone to my daughter, who's like in her, I don't know, early 30s at the time, or maybe late 20s. Both of them, two daughters are two years apart. Hey, I'm doing a gig with Bon Jovi. And they go, okay, we'll be there. And I said, what? I, I didn't invite you. And they said, we're coming, we're coming. This, is, this was when Bon Jovi was the thing, right? And so my daughters came. And Bon Jovi was very nice. He came out of his trailer, had pictures taken with them. The band flew in. He flew in in his own private jet, which is cool. And they, on stage, they played Fender Stratocaster guitars. His guitar player was a really great guy named Richie Sambora, and he played this song on his Strat. Here's Bon Jovi, 1986. Richie Sambora on lead guitar, written by Richie Sambora and Desmond Child and Bon Jovi. You give love a bad name. Bon Jovi, you give love a bad name. So here's another Bon Jovi story. 
I had reason to go into Little Mountain Sound, which is in Vancouver, a great recording studio, to finish up some tapes. And Bon Jovi was in there recording in the other studio. Except when I got there and parked around the back and walked around the front, right across the street, kitty corner, was a school ground, a playground, grass. In the middle of the playground was a chair with Richie Sambora sitting in it with headphones on and his guitar. And I just stood there and I went into the studio and I said to the engineer, who I think was Bob Rock, what is going on? And because of all the insulation and wiring and lighting in the studio, when you had a Fender Stratocaster guitar, it was a single pickup guitar, you had this terrible hmm, this hum, the whatever you did, and you have to move a certain way and you couldn't move because then you, you blocked out the sound, but if you moved, the, the hum came back and forth. So Richie had tried every place in the studio and finally found a place about 1,200, 1,500 feet away in the middle of this playground. So at that time, people were trying to, and a guy in Vancouver, uh, in Victoria actually, named Rod Evans, took the Fender pickups and found a way to backwind them to make them a lot like humbuckers, so the hum would be gone. So he offered those to me, I put them on my Fender Strat. They looked and sounded the same, but they didn't have the hum. So also he gave those to a set to Jeff Healy, who played a Strat on his knee, and to this guy, Colin James, who still has them on his guitar, and Colin James is a kid from Regina. I'm a real fan of Colin James. He put out a good dozen albums. He goes from a trio to a big band to acoustic. And so here's Colin James with a great song of his playing his Fender Strat 1988. And I love this track, Voodoo Thing. That's Colin James on his Strat with Evans pickups, voodoo thing. We continue our show now with the Fender Stratocaster. What was amazing about this guitar? To make it different, they because the strings on a Telecaster went through the body. Six holes in the bottom, they went through the body and pulled, and it gave it a nice brang when you played the guitar. It was like a, a shooting a bow and arrow. The twang on the string was amazing. They wanted to make a vibrato, which is ah, when you're singing, you have a vibrato in your voice. They wanted the strings to be able to move. They tried all kinds of contraptions to make the strings lower and higher, a half a tone or a quarter of a tone, and they decided to drill a hole in the body and mount a, a bridge with springs on it. So the strings on top of the guitar would be pulling the bridge one way, and underneath you had six springs which you could hook on little screws that would balance the bridge in between this little space they had made in the top of the guitar. And so you can go wow, 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 which you heard Hank Marvin do when he was playing Apache on the front end of the show. But when you put it in the hands of a guy like Jeff Beck, who pulls out in between notes, because on a guitar there's a certain amount of notes, like there's 12 notes in the scale, low E to high E, like 12 frets I mean. and Jeff Beck would go in between those and use his volume control and make sounds that nobody else can make on a guitar. He invented this style of playing. I've seen Jeff Beck over a period of 30 or 40 years. 
Every show is different. He takes on a different personality. He plays different music. He plays incredibly complicated jazz riffs, like with Jan Hammer and God. Like that. He plays symphonic stuff. He plays absolutely everything. And there's a great guitar player, a, a lady in the States called Jennifer Batten, who is a monster guitar player. She's taught at GIT. She toured with Michael Jackson on the Victory Tour. She talked her manager into going to spend a week with Jeff Beck to see how he practices and plays. In that whole week, he never picked up the guitar once. All he did was show her his hot rods, because he's a hot rod guy, and he loves playing with cars. So she he didn't even pick up the guitar once. The guy never practices. He's just an amazing. So we're going to give you a song from 1975 from his album, Blow by Blow, Jeff Beck's, called Scatterbrain, which is a jazz song written by Max Middleton. And this is just a sample of one of the greatest Strat players in the world. So here's Jeff Beck, 75, Scatterbrain from The Master. ago, I lived on Salt Spring Island, and there's a little place there called Art Spring that held maybe, I don't know, 275 people. It's where they did little plays, and school choirs sang, and folk singers would play. A sign came up saying, Master of the Surf Guitar, Dick Dale playing. So this was Sunday night, so of course I went to see Dick Dale. He was on stage. He had a son in his band. He had a couple of guys on stage. And he blew the back wallet. It was amazing. He told stories on, on how he played guitar. He was the guy who got Leo Fender to build big amplifiers because Dick Dale in the surf era, along with the Beach Boys, would go and play on the beach. When you have a little amplifier, people can't hear you. So he got Leo Fender to put together a 30-watt amp and a 30-watt amp and a 30-watt and build a 100-watt amp and build a 200-watt amp. I've got one of these amps. It's amazing. It's a Fender amp with two transformers in. So Dick Dale kind of changed the face of music. He took this song, it became his signature song. It's called Miser Lou. It was used in the Quentin Tarantino movie called Pulp Fiction. It's built on an old Greek formula or scale. And you'll recognize it when you hear it. It's Dick Dale playing as fast as the hand can pick. You can imagine playing this fast for four minutes. It's called Miser Lou. And the next day I met Dick Dale on the ferry and talked to him, he, we were coming to Victoria, and he gave me a Dick Dale guitar. I'm really thrilled with that. He's passed away, this is a tribute to him. 8, 9, 10, you want to play guitar, you go into a guitar store to try out a guitar because you can't have somebody buy you a guitar. You've got to go in and try it and see which one speaks to you and which one you could hold properly and play properly. So if you're a little kid, you don't go in and play this. 
you don't know that yet. You go with the simplest thing. So you, you grab your low E, your high E, and your B string. And you want to show the guy in the store that you can play something. So you go. Every kid can do that. Open, three, five. Open, three, six, five. Open, three, five, three, five. Just on those threats. You're a guitar player. That has been voted the most famous riff in the world. Deep Purple came up with this riff because they would go into a rehearsal without any ideas for songs and just jam. They'd play old blues songs, pop songs, until they got into a groove and they would record that. Then when they went home, their engineer producer would listen to that and pull out little sections. And when they came back the next day, he said, get this section, this is a hit thing. Out of this came the song Smoke on the Water. Then they put together, uh, the album was called Machine Head. This was about the fire in the Montreal Casino. Uh, the lyrics are very descriptive of what happened there. There's a big casino recording studio on the lake there in Montreal in Switzerland. It's where David Bowie did Under Pressure with Queen. And so here's Deep Purple, 1976, Smoke on the Water, and Richie Blackmore is the lead guitar player playing a Fender Stratocaster. His solo in this is monumental and life-changing. I had the thrill of playing with Ian Gillen, who's the lead singer, at the Jeff Healy Tribute in Toronto many years ago, and I got to do this song with Ian Gillen singing it, and I got to try to play, to play this solo of Richie Blackmore's, and I came close, which was good enough. Here's Deep Purple, 1976, Smoke on the Water with Richie on a white Stratocaster. Smoke on the Water, great, great song, great, great riff, one of the greatest. We come back to a Canadian Strat player who's very, very famous. He was in a band called Max Webster. Then he went out on his own. He is Kim Mitchell. Kim Mitchell is a great band. I've done many, many shows with him over the years. He was also a DJ on the big classic rock station there in Toronto for many years, which is really great to have a guy on like that who knows all about the music firsthand. Kind of like me talking about this stuff. I've been there, I've done all this stuff. Kim Mitchell played a Stratocaster guitar through an amp, but I've also seen her show up with two Schultz Rockmans. And a Schultz Rockman is a little tiny thing like a little, like a disc man, like a portable radio. One of them was turned on clean. The other one was turned on distortion. He taped it to the mic stand. He plugged in his guitar, he had an AB switch which is like either A or B, either one or two. And he would play clean, and he didn't have an amplifier. It came through the PA system. He just walked out on stage, plugged this in, had a beautiful clean sound, which and then all the tones came from the five-way switch on his Strat and the tone controls. And then when he switched to distortion, he had this beautiful sound like Tom Schultz had on, on all the Boston records, because Tom Schultz invented that little amplifier to get the sound he had on More Than a Feeling on all the Boston albums. This song is called Go For Soda. It's a great song, 1984. Listen to his guitar playing. 
He had other big hits called Patio Lanterns, Rock and Roll Duty, Rockland Wonderland. This guy's a Canadian legend and a legend of the Stratocaster. Kim Mitchell, 1984, Might as well go for soda. Might as well go. Tim Mitchell, go for soda. Well, here's a little move that broke my heart. I loved Eric Clapton in Cream. He played a beautiful, I don't know, solid body Les Paul. Then he played an ES-335, and he had a big, sustainable, fat guitar sound. For some reason, maybe his shoulder, because Les Pauls were very heavy. I had to stop playing mine, because it wrecked my left shoulder and my spine. I went to a Fender Stratocaster, which is a much lighter guitar. So maybe that's why Eric went to a Fender Stratocaster. This is the ultimate Stratocaster song. It is called Layla, written by Eric Clapton and Jim Gordon, uh, recorded when he wanted to not be known as Eric Clapton. He called himself Derek and the Dominoes. The album was called Layla and Other Love Songs, and Layla was a tribute song he wrote to Patty Boyd. So you can imagine this. He's best friends with George Harrison, most of their life playing guitar. George calls him in to play guitar on uh, While My Guitar Gently Weeps. They write and do Badge together, a couple of other songs. And then one day Eric says to George, I'm in love with your wife, Patty Boyd. And George says, oh, okay, great. And then Eric marries Patty Boyd. This is the love song to Patty Boyd, 1970. This has got Dwayne Allman playing on it, Jim Gordon on drums. It's his power band. Derek and the Dominoes, 1970, Layla. Fade out there on Layla and other assorted love song, Derek and the Dominoes, or Eric Clapton playing his Fender Stratocaster. These guys, you know, a Strat is a very, very easy guitar to play. It just hangs on you. When I was playing my Les Paul, it was almost 14 pounds, and it really wrecked my left shoulder. I could only play it sitting down. And uh, well, I went to a chiropractor. He said, stop playing guitar. And I said, we have good luck with that. And I went into a music store and said, what is the lightest guitar you have? And they said, a Fender Stratocaster. It was under eight pounds. So I put it on. It was great. I've, I've had one ever since. I've got many, many of them. And the thing that's great about a Stratocaster is the pickguard is bolted on the front. The pickguard has the pickups on it. If you want to change your guitar, you go and get another pickguard. You put on humbucker pickups from a Gibson or any other pickups. You just take off your screws, take off your strings, unscrew your pickguard, leave it intact, take it out. There's only a little wire that attaches to the output. Put on a new pickguard that has three different pickups on. Could be three fenders, it could be a Les Paul, a Rickenbacker, which is what I did. I had a Tele, a Rickenbacker, and a Gibson pickup on mine. Solder it together, take it off the next gig, put it on so it's really a versatile guitar. 
And like I said, it's a chunk of wood. You drop it on the ground, you pick it up. It's still in tune. It does not break in half. You cannot break a two by four or a plank in half, okay? You can't with your bare hands. I was playing once a gig in Kitabala with uh, BTO. Actually, it was before that with Brave Belt. We were just becoming BTO. And our opening act was a young singer named Shirley Rose Eichardt. She was so young, her mother brought her to the gig in a car. And she opened the gig and did maybe four or five songs, kind of a folky, and she played this song in the set. It called Something to Talk About. She did the demo, went to Nashville, nothing happened with it. A lady named Bonnie Raitt came in to Nashville looking for a song, and out of the blue, out of maybe 20 or 30 songs, a guy down there at Warner Brothers Music pulled out this song by Shirley Eichardt, gave it to Bonnie Raitt. It became Bonnie Raitt's signature song. Bonnie Raitt is one of the great singers, blues singer, pop singer, and plays an incredible slide guitar Stratocaster, tuned to an open A, or sometimes an open G, and then you could just put a capo on your second fret and it's tuned to an open A. And here she is doing Shirley Eichardt's song, her classic song from 1991, Miss Bonnie Raitt, Something to Talk About. That was Bonnie Raitt doing Shirley Eichardt's Let's Give Them Something to Talk About. You're listening to the Vinyl Tapcast, and we're continuing with the songs on the Fender Stratocaster. All the songs I'm playing are available on Spotify. To find them, go to randybackman.com slash vinyl tap and hit the link at the bottom of the page. You'll find the songs there. There was a time when the Beatles got a shipment of gear from Fender Guitars. Fender amps, Fender guitars, Fender basses. Paul McCartney started to play a Fender bass, which was really a great new sound for them. They had two matching Stratocasters that were turquoise sparkle blue. I've got two of those that I played when I played with the Ringo Starr All-Star Band in 1995 and toured the world. But they had these two there. And to sound different, this, uh, John Lennon was sitting there without a song idea. And he was sitting in a chair going, ah. <sighs> I'm getting nowhere. I'm doing nothing. I'm a nowhere man. And suddenly he goes, I'm a real nowhere man sitting in a nowhere land, making all these nowhere plans. And he writes nowhere man. And to make it different, he and George played the guitar solo in this identically. They learned it note for note. So it's two of them playing at the same time. That's why it sounds so cool. It's a little different. You can tell it's not the same guy. They plug into the board. They roll all the bottom off the board. So it's very, very, very bright. And it stands out like mad. Here is Nowhere Man with the Beatles, John singing 1966, both John and George playing the double solo. He's a real nowhere man, sitting in his nowhere land, making all his nowhere plans for nobody. The Beatles playing double strats. And just like I did earlier in the show playing Let It Ride, here's me playing double strats. 
same thing right into the board, my 54 Strat and my 1968 Strat. One guitar is playing up on the ninth fret, the high A up there, and the other one's playing down on the fifth fret, and it gives the guitar an extra sound because there's a, an extra note on top when I'm playing on the, the ninth fret, and then there's an extra note on the bottom playing on the, on the fifth fret. Here's BTO, number one song in the mid-70s, You Ain't See Nothing Yet. nothing yet BTO and now we're going to close the show with the ultimate Strat sound and song the minute you hear it you can tell it's a Fender Stratocaster this was written by Ed King who plugged in his Fender Stratocaster and started to play this riff and Gary Rossington started to sing these lyrics as a response to Neil Young's Southern Man it's from their second album called Second Helping 1974 and uh, Tal and I love uh, Leonard Skinner. They're very cool. They're very unpretentious. They just plug in and rock. And we got asked to play their closing world tour. It's been going on for three years. This is just before COVID. We did nine dates with them right across Canada. We ended in uh, actually in Vancouver, which is really great. Actually, we played in the uh, Abbotsford at the arena there. It was really cool. So here is the ultimate Stratocaster song, 1974. Leonard Skinner, named after their high school teacher, that's how they named their band, Sweet Home Alabama. Home Alabama, you've been listening to Randy's Vinyl Tap, and that's it for now. I'll be back with another Vinyl Tap cast very soon. 